Hi everyone and welcome to the Oplane podcast where we talk with the movers and shakers that are redefining the future of commercial aviation. As usual, before we start, let me remind you once more that all previous episodes of this podcast, as well as many other aviation stories, are available on the Oplane website. That's allplane.tv, A-L-L-P-L-A-N-E.tv. Today, here on the podcast, we welcome Gregory Davis president and CEO of one of the companies that have somehow become an icon of the new generation of electric aviation startups. Founded in Israel in 2015 and currently operating mostly in Washington state, Aviation is developing what we could call an electric native aircraft, the Alice. If you follow aviation news regularly, you might have already come across the Alice at some point. The Alice is certainly eye-catching. It has a super sleek design with very elegant lines and a futuristic look. This is in no small measure because it has been designed from scratch to be battery electric and to integrate a whole set of new technologies. The Alice flew for the very first time in September 2022 after having gone through a rather significant redesign the previous year, and it has already secured around 300 orders from operators in the commuter, cargo, and private aviation markets. So far, so good, but how close is the Aviation Alice to certification? And when can we expect its next flights to take place? How much will it cost? Well, Greg Davis is going to answer all these questions and some more in today's episode of the podcast. So tune in to learn it all about the new and very exciting Aviation Alice. Hello, Gregory. How are you? I'm very well, thanks, Mikael. How are you? Where are you joining us from, if I may ask? I'm coming in from the west coast of the United States in Washington state, uh, where aviation is headquartered. A very aeronautical state, if I might say. We we have very good company. And one of the reasons why we're located here, of course, is because of the uh, uh, excellent infrastructure in terms of of people and uh, suppliers that we have in the west coast of the U.S. uh, here in Washington. Mm -hmm. Excellent. Well, just let me say a few words to to introduce you to the audience. You are the president and CEO of one of the electric aviation companies that have been making the headlines in the last few months, and that's aviation. And you have a, a really sleek new airplane that flew for the first time last September. That was a really exciting moment because you not only flew the aircraft, but also a whole range of systems that are very important in in this new era of electric aviation that, that we are starting. But first of all, let me ask you, like all guests, to introduce yourself and tell us a bit more about your background and, and how you basically ended up leading aviation. Well, thank you very much. Yes, thanks for that great intro. And, and so I'm Gregory Davis. Uh, I am the president and CEO of Aviation. I joined the company uh, about two years ago uh, as president uh, with an eye of, of helping us evolve from being a uh, really a tech startup of the aviation sector into being a, a full aircraft manufacturer. Uh, my, my background, I, I started off very early with airplanes. Um, I remember actually on my third birthday getting a model kit. For, uh, it was an English electric lightning. Um, and, uh, and I think I just sort of got hooked. Uh, my, my grandfather was actually an aeronautical engineer. And uh, and I grew up uh, around uh, aircraft. It became part of my life early on. You know, it's it's funny. I, I actually got my glider pilot's license when I was 16 years old, and uh, and when I was 17, which is the uh, the 11th grade, I got my private pilot's license uh, through the Air Cadet program in Canada. And um, it's, I, I famously, <laughs> it was I didn't have a driver's license, uh, but my my friends did, and so several afternoons during the the, the final year of high school, uh, we would just simply talk to our teachers and say, um, you know, we're gonna 
miss school this afternoon because we're going flying. Never really posed a problem. Um, uh-huh. and, and, the, and then I, I actually have a, a bachelor's and master's degree in aerospace engineering. I've studied computational aerodynamics, uh, uh, the commercial pilot's license as well. And then I've worked in all aspects of aerospace. I've designed uh, manufacturing uh, certification and, uh, and, of course, now um, running Eviation as our CEO, making this company move towards the uh, industrialization and certification and ultimately the delivery of, of the Eviation Alice. Yeah, certainly all this experience comes in very handy in, in a project like Eviation because you are basically building a new aircraft concept from scratch with all the technology in there. Um, what can you tell me about Eviation, uh, the, the project you are leading? Uh, because I remember um, just a few years ago, I, I have to check, but I think it must have been 2017 or even earlier, I wrote a piece for CNN about the new generation of light aircraft. And at the time, no one was talking about electric aircraft. I, I even didn't approach this topic with the idea of electric aviation or sustainability. It was just about light aircraft and interesting new concepts in light aircraft. And I came across aviation at the time, which I think was a bit, the design was a bit different, but still, you know, it was the, the company already existed. And yeah, since then it's become basically one of the uh, one of the stars of this new crop of electric aircraft that are hopefully coming soon to the market what can you tell us about the the history of this project and the evolution because i think there there have been also some internal changes some changes in management as well and and some design changes in the last uh, i don't know how long it's been going for uh, 6 7 years something like that we we started in 2015 in israel Mm-hmm. Uh, and so with, with, that's where we were founded and that's where the concept uh, evolved to have a, an electric airplane, electric uh, passenger airplane in particular. And, um, and so we've evolved the aircraft. You're right. We went through a, a different design. Um, the one that I saw at Paris Air Show in 2019 uh, had three motors. Um, one of the exciting things that, that's happened you know, since 2015 and, and today is that the technology for the uh, electric motors or, or electric engines has evolved quite significantly. And so we're able to get more power uh, an electric engine today than we did, you know, in 2019, um, which means that we only need two engines. And that's allowed us to evolve the design of the aircraft into a more conventional form. I think, as you've said, of course, it's still a, a very new, distinct looking aircraft. Yeah. Uh, and that, and it's I, I love it's... the design, actually. I, I really, when, when you see it, you, you, you kind of stick to your mind because it, it really, it's really like a, something completely different from any other aircraft that you might see. <laughs> it, it, it's because it's the first aircraft in the world that's t- truly designed around the batteries. Mm-hmm. So the batteries, of course, they're either a large portion of the aircraft's weight. Um, so you need to locate them uh, in and around the center of gravity of the aircraft uh, to manage your loads and your performance. And that actually drives the shape of aviation's fuselage, right? Actually, the way, where we've located the batteries is key to why it has that unique form. It, we need to have a, a, a very high liftover drag ratio for an electric plane because you are carrying around that weight of those batteries. And that's, uh, that's what informs the design of, of the wings and also uh, just the aerodynamic considerations in the fuselage. So you, you start to evolve this shape, uh, this form of an aircraft based around, again, the electric technology that's gone into it. And then after that, you know, we, we really care about how our product looks and presents to the marketplace. You know, it's, it's very exciting. It's very, very exciting to think that we're going to be able to fly, you know, point to point regionally without deharming the environment and all, in, in an aircraft that's also very, very quiet and comfortable. And yeah, actually, to... if I may interrupt you here one second, yeah. because we, we are talking about all this and I'm assuming that 
most people that are listening to us might already be familiar with the aviation Alice, but just to put things in context, um, can you tell us in, in a few words the main features of this aircraft? I think it's a nine-seater, all electric. Yes. So Alice is, is, is being designed to be a nine-seater commuter aircraft. Uh, we're actually doing three versions of the aircraft, the, the nine-seater commuter, a cargo version, and also a six-passenger uh, executive uh, version of the aircraft. Um, it's a it's a commuter category airplane, so uh, less than nineteen thousand pounds. And and you know we can talk a bit about why nine seats is actually a really great number of seats for an airplane. It goes down to the operating economics of the aircraft because okay. with nine with nine passengers you can actually fly with a single pilot uh, under existing regulations. And maybe we you know we can talk a bit more about why this design converges to the sweet spot of of electric aviation as well. Yeah, indeed. I mean, yeah, sorry, I interrupted you when you were t uh, you were telling us about why it has this very, very sleek, uh, very elegant shape, because if it's it's designed from scratch to be an electric airplane and designed around the batteries. So, uh, yeah, please go on, because that was very, very interesting. Yeah, of course. Yeah. So so back back to that. I mean, again, being designed around the batteries, so it's led to the, the key placement of the, uh, of the features of the aircraft. And then, of course, integrating all of the systems into the aircraft. Part of the, the design evolution was that we, we've gone with a fly-by-wire system for our flight controls. That's for a couple of reasons. One of them is, is actually quite a bit lighter than a hydraulic control system. Also, if you think about it, the fly-by-wire is electric, and of course our power source, our energy source is electric, so it's nice not to have to convert from uh, one uh, power source or one energy source to the other. It's more efficient. And uh, and, and also, you know, it's going to have some significant maintenance, uh, positive implications on the maintenance of the aircraft. A single actuator, a single part number can be used to control any one of our control surfaces, so our ailerons, our, uh, our rudder, and our elevator. And so th even things like maintaining the aircraft in service are going to be that much easier because you only need to stop one part number of actuator. It's a smart system. When you plug the actuator into the aircraft, um, the airplane tells it where it is, so it knows if it's an aileron or a rudder or an elevator. So things like the technology that we're evolving into the airplane are, are going to have a positive effect on its operations and maintenance as well. And you mentioned there is, let's say, the standard version, there's a, a cargo version and a VIP version. Are all of these versions, I guess, the, it's the same airframe? Yes. Yeah, so it's all three versions of the aircraft. It's one type, so a single mm -hmm. type of aircraft, but with three different interior configurations. Mm -hmm. Okay. And basically right now, you, you've got quite a few orders for this aircraft. So we actually have over 300 aircraft on order right now. And mm -hmm. the I would say about eighty percent of the orders that we foresee are for the commuter version of the aircraft. Mm -hmm. and it speaks to the regional air mobility market, and and because it ties in with the sweet spot about why what we're doing is the right thing to do with an electric airplane. Um, and then about fifteen percent of the marketplace is eat cargo, and uh, and then the rest is going to be the VIP conversion or VIP version of the aircraft. And where are you now in the development process? So we've finished our technology demonstration phase. So we're going through and, and uh, taking the aircraft through the, the certification process uh, to get it into production. We're going to enter into service in 2027. So that's when we'll also see our type certificate. And uh, leading up to that is going to be flight testing and, of course, assembling uh, the aircraft uh, in its final design. Have you been flying it more often after that first flight in September? When, when we did our first flight, the aircraft was very heavily instrumented. Right, so that thousands of different parameters being monitored, and we actually generated terabytes of data. 
And what we've done for, since first flight is we've analyzed that data against our predictions, against what our model said the aircraft was going to do. And th thus far, we've got a really good correlation between our predictions and the way the aircraft flew. And mm -hmm. so we'll fly the aircraft again uh, when we have a need to get more information that's going to influence the, the design of the production aircraft. Uh-huh. Because you're doing this testing in, is in, in Washington State, but in inland, yeah? In, in the interior. That's right. Uh, so about, yeah. Uh, yeah, about um, 250 kilometers east of uh, Arlington, Washington, our headquarters, there's a flight test facility at Moses Lake, Washington. Mm -hmm. um, it's, uh, it was, I think, I mean, originally a, a B-52 base, uh, but okay. you know, since then it was actually built out to be a, an alternative landing site for the space shuttle, and it's got a, a, just a, a lot of runway. So it's, a, it's, a, it's used by mm -hmm. several manufacturers for flight testing. Interesting. So 2027 should be certified. And when that happens, do you have a, an industrial plan in place? What is going to be produced? How many of those can you produce? Because you've got quite a, quite a few orders. So I guess if you're going to serve them fast, you will need quite a big factory or a big assembly line to, to make all those planes. So we're, our approach to industrializing and bringing the aircraft to, to, to market is to actually partner or work with strategic supply chain. So we're looking at people who are best at what they do, whether it's wiring or, or the structures uh, or other subsystem development. And so that's going to be our approach. We're not planning on expanding our business to be you know, a, a, a multi-thousand person business. We're looking at focusing and keeping a core team uh, with all of the, the knowledge and capabilities for the design of the aircraft. Um, we're going to assemble it and, and deliver it to customers. So that'll be Eviation who does that, that final putting the aircraft together and, and making sure it's finished to our standards and then delivered uh, to our standards to our customers. That'll be our part of it. But uh, other than that, we're looking at the, the, the global supply chain. We're going to find people who are best at what they do uh, and invite them to be on the program with us. Mm -hmm. uh, here on this podcast, we had um, the CEO of Magnix, makes electric motors. Uh, my understanding is that there is, or there used to be, a, a quite a close relationship between the two companies. It's still the case. So, are you going to use Magnix motors? With the the prototype aircraft actually flew with two Magnix motors, with the Magni uh -huh. six fifties, and uh, yeah, we're we're working closely with Magnix for the uh, development of the propulsion system for for our airplane. Uh, that's the, uh, the the motor that we have on the aircraft is the Magniex motor, mm -hmm. and yeah, we do have a, a really good relationship with Magniex. Um, we were in lockstep during the prototyping activity uh, for our plane. Um, you know, they they were even in the control room when we did our first flight. Okay, yeah, sorry, I was saying Magniex, but it's Magniex. I have to. <laughs> <laughs> I, I yeah. think both. I think both are acceptable. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Great. Uh, what about the batteries? What can you tell me about batteries? Our prototype aircraft was built out using lithium ion uh, 21700 form factor cells. What's really important though, it's, it's not the, the actual cell, it's not even the chemistry of the cell that's, that's important to the design of the aircraft. Part of what we're bringing here to the market is, is really the evolution of the, not even just the evolution, it's the creation of uh, aircraft design batteries, right? So we have a, a series of battery management systems and computers uh, and sensors that actually monitor the performance of our batteries, the key characteristics, things like temperature and voltage, uh, all the way down to the individual cell level. And what put us so far ahead is that we've been focused on making sure that every element of our aircraft was certifiable uh, from the initial design. So our batteries are designed to be certifiable um, so that they can be uh, you know, qualified and ultimately certified on the aircraft using the same standards that apply to any other airplane. 
So integrating them in. And so some of that technology uh, evolution is, uh, is focused on making sure that we can actually evolve the, uh, the chemistry and, the, and the, the physics or the geometry of our, of our cells uh, inside the aircraft as new technologies come on. It's effectively designing the aircraft to be future-proof for the batteries. The range now with a full charge is uh, 250 miles with full payload, something like that? Yes. So for, for on the battery side, so just to yeah. start with that, um, the aircraft is, is absolutely designed to be future compatible. So, so we know that the battery technology is going to evolve. Mm -hmm. The same technology, so again, looking at lithium-ion right now, uh, evolves at about 3% per year, uh, pretty reliably. That's what we've seen. And that's in, in terms of performance, so energy density uh, and also cost. Uh, so that's, that's you know, not a bad evolution. It means that at that evolution, every five years, you'd have about 17% more energy. So, so that's actually quite exciting when you think about the life cycle of an aircraft. But the new technologies that are coming on, I mean, we've had NASA uh, publish their roadmap for the production of a, of a 500 watt hour per kilogram solid state battery. So that's a, a real technology. And then there's other chemistries like lithium sulfur that are coming on, um, which have a good mix of, of volume and energy density. So, so lots is happening there. In terms of range, we're, we're gonna enter into service with a, an initial range of 250 nautical miles day VFR. And you'll, you'll appreciate that we use day VFR because it's the most broadly comparable measurement of range of an aircraft anywhere in the world. So you, you can understand what 250 nautical miles day VFR is. And that's it's important for us to people, for people that really understand what the aircraft is going to do. Um, what's, what's, what's really exciting but, about that range. Can, that sorry, paper. can you elaborate on that point? Where this measurement? Yeah. I don't think everyone is familiar with that. <laughs> oh, okay, good. Yeah, sorry. Thanks for the interruption. That's a good yeah, point. No problem. Okay, so, two, we, so we use 250 nautical miles day VFR uh, as our, our range uh, figure. And the reason why we use day VFR is, is because it's, it's comparable anywhere around the world. Day VFR is going to be your range and then a 30-minute reserve. Uh, with IFR instrument flight rules, and, and I should add VFR is visual flight rules, but with instrument flight rules, you have to consider alternates and other, uh, other factors that will, will help determine your, your reserve factor. So it, it, it's, not, it's not the same uh, number depending on where you are flying. So that's why we're using the VFR as our, as our number. Mm -hmm. Okay, so, so the range could potentially be expanded. On, on, on that note, so range, yeah. range is the number one question I get. How, how far yeah. will it go? And it, it's, it's really interesting because, you know, it's, it's a, it makes sense. You wonder, okay, well, what can you do with, with an aircraft? But looking at how aircraft are actually used, 50% of all air travel around the world is less than 500 nautical miles. Just mm -hmm. to, so half, half of every flight anywhere on Earth is less than 500 nautical miles. And depending on where you are, anywhere between 20 and 30% of, fl of, of flights are less than 250 nautical miles. So the immediate market, the immediate utilization case for our aircraft, the day it enters into service is, is anywhere between 20 and 30% of all flights everywhere on the world. So it's a pretty, it's actually a pretty useful market right away uh, in terms of what you can do with the aircraft. And, and what we've seen is that, um, you know, as we've engaged with customers to, to look at how, how we do a route analysis, uh, look at how they're going to use the aircraft. We, we've actually had it happen that one, the customer that approached us to buy you know, a certain number of airplanes uh, has actually increased their order by 50% after they saw how, how applicable the aircraft is to the routes that they had identified. So it's, it's, it's very, very exciting. I mean, you look at a, at a, a you know, a Dash 8 uh, with its 1200 nautical mile range, uh, the vast majority of, of flights that the aircraft flies are less than an hour 
right? So you're using 20, 25% of that range um, yeah. every, every day. It, so it's, uh, it's not about the upper range, it's about what range you're actually going to use. And I guess in North America, it's way more common for people, people to, to fly uh, commuter aircraft, light aircraft as well. I think that's, that's my impression. I, I haven't looked at the numbers, but there yeah. seems to be more of a culture of, of traveling by air What's exciting about, about this and having the opportunity to talk to you about what we're doing is, is you know, why, why are we doing it, right? So what, why build the electric aircraft? What's it for? What is it? How do you use it? Who's going to use it? And again, looking at the market and the available, uh, sorry, the, the way that people currently fly, uh, to your point about North America, yeah, North America is the largest single general aviation market in the world. So I think about 60% of the market, but the rest of the world is still 40% of the market. And it's still, there's still a lot, of, a lot of utilization of smaller aircraft um, around the world. So, you know, in, in Northern Europe, uh, you have small aircraft flying through it, uh, through Norway and Sweden, um, the Channel Islands, there's aircraft this size that fly all day, every day. Yeah. Uh, and then, yeah, sim similarly around, you know, the south of France and other applications, there, there's actually a lot of usage for these types of aircraft as it stands. But, you know, we're, we're working on really reinvigorating re regional air mobility. In the United States, there are 5,000 airports, 5,000 airports, they're all across the US. In fact, 60% of the population of the United States lives within 10 miles of an airport, and 95% of the population lives within 25 miles of an airport. But that's not the way that we fly because yeah. since, since the airline market was deregulated, you know, we used to have, uh, I mean, I can't even count how many regional airlines across the US, um, but they, they've all been merged or bought or, or conglomerated. And we've gone from a point to point uh, air travel market to a hub and spoke air travel market from effectively, um, it's, it's like being on a bus. What we're doing is we're bringing back in the taxi, that point to point uh, air taxi market. And so those, those airports, of those 5,000 airports, only 500 of them are used regularly by commercial air travel. Mm -hmm. And 2,000 of those airports have actually been designated by the FAA as being underutilized. So there's a, a large existing infrastructure of airports uh, in the United States, and it's, it's actually a very similar story in Europe uh, with, uh, with airports all over the place that nobody ever uses. Yeah. And, and so, so what we're doing, and you know, going back to, you know, why Alice? Like, what, why are, what are we doing with this aircraft? We have found the sweet spot for electric aviation. So again, looking at the stats, it's a nine passenger airplane, uh, it has a, a cruising speed of about 160 nautical miles per hour, and it's going to be operated on routes of 250 nautical miles or less at entry into service. So it means that you're going to get into Alice and fly for about one hour. And pretty much anywhere you are uh, at, at any kind of, of not even at a population center, but, but pretty much anywhere you are across the United States and across Europe, you'd be able to get to an airport in less than, than 30 minutes and then fly to another airport. Maybe it's across a mountain range or maybe it's across the water or, 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 or some other obstacle that you want to uh, get around and then and do that route, typically in less than an hour of flying. And that's the market that we're bringing. And then when you look at how we're doing it, this is, this is really what differentiates us from some of the other applications of electric technology on 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 aircraft that you're seeing is we're an airplane. So we're electric conventional takeoff and landing. We're an EC tall. And that means that we're designing an airplane specifically to be certified using existing standards for certifying an airplane that can be flown by pilots with existing pilots licenses that get qualified using the existing training system that fly out of existing airports in existing airspace.
it's we, we, we've been absolutely focused on making sure that we understand the regulatory environment for how you're going to certify and then use this aircraft. And also because it's a nine passenger airplane, uh, it, you can fly a single pilot. So when you look at our market, we, you know, we talk about it in terms of the three C's, in terms of carbon, cost, and convenience. It's a zero emission aircraft. There's no tailpipe, nothing comes out of the airplane when it flies. The cost of electricity, the electric motors, the, the power plant for the aircraft uh, are much cheaper to operate, much cheaper to maintain than a, than a turbine aircraft. And of course, because we're, we're doing all of this in a, in a clean uh, and quiet way, it's going to allow us to access the existing airport infrastructure, making it much more convenient for you know you and I to, to fly, to, to go see people, to, to have our packages delivered to us. Mm -hmm. How much is going to cost? The aircraft, it's going to be similarly priced to other aircraft in its size category. And that's more or less what price bracket? So uh, what I will tell you this is that we've sold over 300 aircraft. Mm -hmm. And uh, and I'm, I'm very comfortable saying that we have a, a an order book that's worth more than $3 billion. Okay. $3 billion. Yeah. Okay. And those are firm orders, 300 we're, we're, these are, are clear. These are LOIs, so they're, okay. they're letter, letters of intent to buy these aircraft. Um, mm -hmm. We we will firm these orders as we get through that next phase of our development, and we're actually making sure that we're involving these customers who've been so forward in expressing their interest in the aircraft uh, to to actually work with us in the development of the airplane. For pilots to be qualified to fly the Alice, are you going to have to? go through some specific training, I guess, but how different is it from a conventional plane? And do you anticipate this being, well, obviously you don't anticipate this being an obstacle, but how difficult is it, is it going to be for to have a pipeline of pilots qualified to fly this type? So any aircraft in this category requires a type rating. So it, it's our process for getting pilots qualified to fly our aircraft is exactly the same as for any other airplane of this size. Are you going to have some, some school, some, some training center? For, for people to qualify to get qualified, or we we are we are absolutely going to have a world class training center for our pilots. In fact, we're looking at, at partnering with some of the, the major training providers right now. Uh, but it's not just for pilots; uh, it's also mechanics. It's it's the uh, the team of people that we're going to have working in our factories, our field service team, um, and also things like ramp operators and even emergency services. Because it's new technology, it has some different uh, characteristics than what we're used to dealing with. We want to make sure that the entire ecosystem, from the airport to the airplane, uh, understands how to work with our product. So what would be then the next milestones that we should be uh, looking for in the near future? Well, I mean, the most exciting one is going to be the aircraft getting delivered to our first customer uh, in 2027. Uh, but before that, you're going to see, of course, more sales. Uh, which will be uh, uh, very welcome. Uh, and then you're going to see the aircraft's uh, design uh, firm firm up, uh, which will, it'll, it'll be a, a straight derivative of the aircraft that we have right now. And then, of course, uh, we'll get through and we'll start those test flights in about late 2025. Mm -hmm. So that the, the flight test campaign, I guess, because as you said, now you had this flight and you're still analyzing the data. So it's still not something that is going to happen regularly. But do you have a time frame for these flights to start, these testing flights to start on a, on a regular basis? Yeah, we aim to have our certification articles going through test flying late 2025. Uh -huh. And that's going to continue on for, for about two years. We're going to have to do a couple thousand hours of flights. So we're going to have three aircraft in our test program uh, going through and, and satisfying those requirements. Excellent. Well, in the meantime, uh, people that wish to learn more about the Alice and about aviation, 
what resources would you recommend? I guess you guys have social media channels, the website as well. Uh, where should they go? Absolutely. So we keep our website up to date with the latest information on our product and also what we're doing. Uh, you can follow me and Aviation on Twitter and on LinkedIn. Um, of course, uh, you know, we're, we're very proud to uh, participate in, in podcasts like yours today uh, and make sure that we, uh, we, we keep our presence out in the market. So, so just watch and, and maybe uh, you'll, you'll see us uh, in person at some point. Hopefully. Yeah. So just a, a reminder for the audience is aviation.com. And I'm going to be posting, of course, the, the show notes with links and images and all the other resources so that they can better understand and, and, and get a grasp of uh, many of these um, things that we were talking about here. So, yeah, thank you very much, Gregory, for your time today and uh, wishing you all the best with uh, all these milestones that lie ahead. And hopefully we'll see this very beautiful airplane passing overhead, wherever we are in the world, from 2027. Thank you very much. It was a lot of fun. Thank you. Before you go, and if you like this podcast, a quick reminder that it would be absolutely great if you could please give it a rating on Apple, Spotify, or whichever platform you are using, or recommend it to a friend or whomever might be interested. Thank you very much, and see you soon.